Welcome to episode six of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. Since we last chatted with y'all, the WNBA draft has come and gone, so we needed to bring in an expert to talk about what happened. As you all know by now, we never miss with these guests, and today is no exception. We've brought on one of the W's most talented journalists and newsbreakers, Christina Williams. She's the founder of Girls Talk Sports TV, a member of Forbes 30 Under 30, a resident WNBA expert on MSG Networks, and a co-host of the Athletes Unlimited preview show with Savannah Collins. Thanks for pulling up with us, Christina. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting for my moment, (laughs) y'all. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. I know this has been, uh, it's like we practically started the podcast just so we could have these these conversations. So I'm I'm excited. We're going to jump right into it. So we were all at the draft last week. And uh, Christina had her her little room set up, talking to every every person in attendance after they got drafted. They do a little you know press junket. Um, so I guess our first question here is who was most fun to talk to? Who was the best interview you had at the draft last week? Ooh, that is a good question. I love talking to all of the draftees that were available to chat with me in person. Um, on draft night. So I love talking to every single last one of them. But the person who surprised me the most in terms of just I mean, getting to know them was Storka. Um, she was drafted out of UConn to the Minnesota Lynx. And, you know, she was just, just spilled her whole life story out to me. Um, it was telling me that none of her family was able to adapt due to them being in uh, Europe. So her coach, Gino, obviously stood in the place of her family just to be there on that special night. And you know, just hearing her story truly, like, was inspiring. And, yeah, I love talking to all of them. And then, of course, Maddie, uh, she was great to talk to as well. I actually met Maddie in 2018 when I had just launched Girls Talk Sports TV, and she was in high school. And she actually played for a friend of mine. He does a bunch of tournaments in New York City, and she played at the Frankie Williams Classic. And I remember interviewing her, like, and I was like, I can't wait to see – uh, you and the WNBA, and it was like a full circle moment to actually be at that draft and see her get selected um, in the top uh, picks at the WNBA draft. So, yeah, I was just wrapping my mind around that as well. Poughkeepsie in the house. I love it. I, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to have, you know, New York people both covering the draft. And then when you get, you know, a prospect from, from the state coming into the league, uh, just hearing those stories is uh, is is pretty cool. I I mean, is there anyone that had a story that that really stood out in terms of when they were spilling to you? You know, just someone whose whose journey was inspiring of these twenty twenty three WNBA draftees. Well, I don't want to sound like too cliche or politically correct, but they all had inspiring stories. Honestly, um, one story that really touched me was obviously um, Bria Bill, just her talking about how she pushed through adversity throughout um, you know, her her college career, throughout her life as, a, as an athlete in general, um, just how she plans to use her platform to raise awareness around mental health. Jordan Horston also had a very compelling story to tell about how she beat the odds through and through. And so like all of those stories were really touching. Uh, Haley Jones, I love chatting with her. She uh, talked about how she was inspired by her cousin, Delisha Milton-Jones, um, and just that family connection in, in basketball and, and how that made her a better overall player. And so, yeah, <laughs> I love talking to all of the draftees, but those are some of the stories that stood out the most. 
I love it. There were a couple, we only had seven teams with draft picks in the first round this year. So just over half the league was represented, which in that first round, at least, which team do you think walked away with the best draft and which team do you think slipped up a little bit? <laughs> you put me on the spot, Miles. I love it. <laughs> Always. Okay. Um, I think overall, I feel like teams, they pretty much did what they could with what they had. Um, obviously at the top of the list, the Atlanta dream, I think Haley Jones at six was definitely a steal. We saw in the mock drafts, how she was, um, projected to go at number two and she slipped at number six. There was rumors surrounding why, and, you know, people that I talked to in and out of the league said that it was her outside shot that caused her to slip. But I think that she's going to be a great addition to the Atlanta dream. She's a great playmaker. She can finish. Her defensive abilities will make her a great addition for this team. And so I think that the Atlanta dream definitely got a steal with Haley at six. But I also, and not a lot of people are talking about them, the Washington Mystics. I like the strategy that they had coming into this draft. Um, they had a great free agency in, in terms of inquiring a player like Brittany Sykes and just um, uh, strengthening their defense, defensive team. I mean, they, they were the top defensive team last season and just added some pieces around that. But coming into this draft, we knew that they needed um, some offensive help. And so I liked what they did in terms of uh, trading that lottery pick. So they thought about the future um, in that sense and uh, trading that trading uh, Stephanie to Dallas and then acquiring that 2024 second round pick and that 2025 first round pick because those two drafts, as we know, is supposed to be like stacked, right? So I, I like that they thought about the future and acquiring some future draft stock. And then um, in terms of who they drafted, I like that they drafted uh, – uh, Elena, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but <laughs> she's from Greece, uh, played at South Florida. Uh, she's a crafty guard. Uh, she's great in an efficient way in how she can score. Um, and I think that she'll be a great uh, addition in terms of coming off the bench. I think that because the Mystics are a great defensive team, her deficiencies there will kind of be hidden. But I think that, um, I think that they're thinking about the future. Uh, next season, there are a lot of key players on the Mystics will be unrestricted free agents. Elena Deladon, uh, Natasha Cloud, uh, Maisha Hines-Allen as well. So I think that uh, with that in mind, uh, Mike Tebow is thinking about the future, how he can build up um, some draft stock. And I really like um, what they did in terms of getting some draft stock for the future uh, and also acquiring a guard who will be that great help on offense for their second unit. So those are my top two teams. And then looking at what teams may have slipped or didn't do so well in the draft. Okay. I think this is twofold, right? So the Dallas wings, obviously I love that they selected Maddie at number three. She led the nation in scoring last season at Villanova. Um, we know that in the off season, they lost Alicia Gray. They lost Marina Mabry. And so she can help fill that void. Now where it gets a little tricky with the Dallas Wings is I'm not sure what exactly they're trying to do in terms of their roster build. We looked at the players, the other players that they signed um, in the off season. And then some of these draft picks that they got uh, in this year's draft, they all kind of have the same skill set. And so not really sure where they're trying to go um, or what they're trying to build in Dallas, but I think they definitely did right with selecting Maddie at number three. I like that a lot. I, I think that we're seeing with Dallas what they've done in years past too, which is kind of 
they just get a lot of similar type of prospects and then just throw them all at the wall and see what sticks. But I agree with you about the the Chineke pick for the Mystics because, like you said, they've got a lot of really strong defensive backcourt players, but she's in a perfect situation where she can kind of get her feet wet and and get a feel in training camp. And yeah, those those 24 and 25 draft classes, that's what that's what is going to probably usher in the next era of the WNBA as it comes in in terms of can they time that with expansion potentially or with a new TV deal and just the growth and the explosion of NIL and in popularity. So I think that we're really going to see a big picture transition as we get to the next phase. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, like the Mystic people are really sleeping on them. I think that they're going to fare well next season. And like I said, that addition of having uh, Elena drafted, I think that she addresses, you know, the issue that they did have. I know coach, I mean, general manager Tebow, he said that, you know, their roster is pretty much set for the season. And so they're rolling with who they're going to roll with. And they address, you know, that lack of offense, that lack of shooting in the draft. And like I said, they, they, they also have some picks next year. So, you know, the Mystics, Next year is definitely going to look a lot different, I think, um, in terms of their roster or the identity of that team with, as you said, those new players coming in. We are all exactly on the same page because I've been raving about Atlanta's draft and I've wrote about uh, how Mike Tebow did it again, how no one's talking about it. And and he just moved into a stronger draft and already has such a, a good roster this year. I really can't wait to watch the Mystics. And this serves as a good transition here for a little segue. Uh, Looking kind of more big picture as we shift our focus from the college season to the WNBA. We all know, we all saw the tournament and, and the viewership numbers of the Final Four shattered the previous records. There's so much momentum right now in the women's game. How can the WNBA build on this momentum? And then here's the real, the real tough one. Will they build on this momentum? Ooh, how can the WNBA build on the momentum? Uh, I think um, in terms of marketing and content-wise, I'm sort of seeing a shift happen where now on certain platforms you're seeing the college teams and the WNBA team and the WNBA as a league, um, they're um, – co-authoring some content and cross-branding content. So you see that, you know, that lapse um, is starting to, I guess, get a little bit more slim in terms of the margin of of, of the coverage um, from college to the WNBA. Uh, you you continue to talk about, talk about the game. We see now uh, next season that the WNBA will have a, re- a record high of 40 games, but also um, the increase in coverage uh, in terms of the broadcasting. And so, that's how you keep the momentum going from college to the pros, um, just through coverage, just storytelling. Um, you know, I had a chance to be able to be on the media circuit, so I see that the league is tapping in with more creators um, who are already um, building up audiences in, in um, this space as well. And so, um, yeah, just supporting collaboration um, and expanding coverage, I think, those are the key factors to um, bridging that gap of coverage between, you know, the college season and, and the pros. But I'm definitely seeing a small shift already happening um, in, in the space. And I think it's great um, as well. I think that in the especially 
inside of the the W Twitter bubble, sometimes it it turns into an echo chamber, and it and people will hone in and and complain about certain things that are not going well. But we don't always take the time to appreciate when things do go well. And I think that ESPN's coverage of the tournament with those those pregame shows and the post games or the lead ins to Sports Center that we've been asking for for I don't even know how long. That also helped because it also helped to build those narratives, right? When we got to the yep. final four, there were narratives all over the place. There were there were player matchups we were looking forward to. There were great player performances. And if we can kind of bring that and replicate that for the W, I think that we're going to similarly see for a broader audience the things that you know the three of us and most people listening to this podcast already know exist. But it's about bringing those storylines to the forefront and there are storylines to focus on, starting with, you know, the super teams or starting with who's kind of in that next tier, who can make a push uh, against the like that top tier Liberty Aces. Are we going to finally see somebody defend a title successfully and win a back to back for the first time in over two decades? What's most exciting to you in terms of storylines for this upcoming W season? Well, being a New Yorker, obviously, I'm excited for the New York Liberty and the pieces that was acquired in the offseason, just, you know, being a fan of the game. And um, from an insider standpoint, from a reporter standpoint, obviously, all eyes are on Brittany Griner as she looks to return this year after being wrongfully detained in Russia for about 10 months. And so uh, I think that that story is also what put the league on more of a global scale, because through um, that time that she was detained, you know, you had people from all walks of life just being tuned into her story. And so, you know, we we love a good redemption story. So I, I, I'm super excited to see BG back um, in Phoenix and just returning to the game that she loves so much. Um, that's a story um, that I'm going to be paying attention to this season. Um, and then also other storylines outside of the super teams, outside of BG's return. I'm looking forward to seeing what Atlanta um, is going to do this season. Alicia Gray was a huge piece that they acquired in the offseason. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how she develops um, alongside Nas Hillman and Ron, especially because we saw Nas and Alicia play together at Athletes Unlimited. So I'm looking forward to seeing that duo continue. And then obviously Aaliyah Boston and how she's going to fare and transition um, into the pros as well. So there is a lot of different storylines and to look forward to and be excited about um, in the 2023 season. I think that this is honestly going to be one of the best seasons yet in the WNBA. So I'm looking forward to all of it. I'm so excited. Just just listening to your answer is getting me amped up for the season. Also, how how glorious is it that the B Terrell Atlanta Dream agenda is finally gaining steam? Like, <laughs> right? Shout out to B Terrell. He's been he's been manifesting this for about four years now, and I'm super <laughs> excited for for this team. I mean, obviously, I've played a hand in breaking some of the stories that have been pivotal in terms of the coaching change and what was happening with Courtney and Crystal and all of that stuff. But, you know, I, I'm glad to see that those days are behind and that it's a new day in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, people forget Dan Padover won executive of the year two times in a row when he was at, with the Aces. And so I think that how he's changed this roster around and just how plugged in the ownership group is to, to creating a new culture I think that it's showing definitely with this team. 
Um, we always see Larry locked in on social media, you know, talking to fans and reporters and just giving us, you know, the what's happening behind the scenes. But yeah, I, I like what this franchise is doing in the direction that they're going with. Shout out to Larry. The the vibes are good. The vibes are good in Atlanta. I mean, just building off that, this is a bit of an audible here, but you know, in breaking some of that news with the dream and just, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, you know, they introduced their rookies on zoom, had a press conference um, and there's just so much excitement around this franchise. And I was kind of reflecting on how it really wasn't that long ago that Atlanta was just organ organizationally a mess uh, and didn't seem to have leadership. And obviously there was the Kelly Loeffler situation, which was really bad. And the team just kind of seemed to sour off of the overall vibes. And there's been such an impressive shift in culture in such a short span of time. Obviously, Renee Montgomery deserves so much credit um, for, for, you know, being a catalyst in that regard. What have you observed in, you know, reporting on this team and talking to people that's kind of been able to lead to this to this change to to get them to where they are now? Yeah, I mean, going back to uh, with Renee, be having uh, someone like Renee um, and the ownership group, the Atlanta Dream also hired here Kia Vaughn when she retired to work in the front office. Just their dedication to uh, that player to front office pipeline. I think that that's super important because now you have people who have been through the ringer in terms of being a part of the league as a player, and now they know um, they come into the front office, you know, um, and just openly want to make changes and just have that perspective of what they went through as a player. Um, and so I think that that's an organization that's definitely doing it right. And you see now that more organizations are hiring former players, um, the Connecticut Sun, Brianne January, you see, you see it happens throughout the league, but uh, I think that Atlanta is definitely doing it right um, in terms of having that player to front office pipeline. Um, obviously the front office changes and the coaching change definitely helped as well. And just, really um, making a, an Atlanta a destination where players want to go, where they want to play, I think was super important. I think from a cultural aspect, they are one of the teams who definitely gets it right in terms of helping to build their community in a real and authentic way. Um, that's important in any industry, just that authenticity um, and building community. Um, and so I think that they're a team that gets it in terms of the cultural aspect and you see it in their marketing. You see it in how they get fans in the seats. You see it in the entertainment um, for the games as well. So I, I love what they're doing and, and how they're rebuilding. I think that it's going to be a super exciting season for the Atlanta Dream. I'd also be interested to know just how much of a hand Dan Padover did play in that because we saw similar stuff happening in Vegas before he left that that franchise. When you look at honoring some of the vets, some of the some of the players that had come before and how Becky Hammond talked about how that connection really helped bring her back to the W as a coach. I think that that could be the blueprint for more teams and we're starting to see it happen at these other franchises. But Dan does seem to be a through line for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, Tanisha, she was with the Aces as well. And and now she's um, she's she's in Atlanta as well as a head coach. And so, you know, she doesn't get a lot of credit for what she was able to do in her first season as a head coach for the Dream. But she's definitely um, has done a 
done a great job. And, you know, they added Vicki Johnson as well um, to that to that staff, that coaching staff. And and obviously Vicky was um, in Vegas with them at one point. So, you know, you can see what they're doing in terms of building their front office and coaching staff. And as you said, there's some, a lot of common denominators with Vegas. So um, just super excited to see this uh, franchise, you know, be successful. Tanisha was the best hire ever. It was like just, just a brilliant hire. And we kind of, again, we kind of forget Nikki Collin just left right before the season. Like that was wild. She just did. <laughs> It, it, just unbelievable. So shout out to Kia Vaughn, shout out to the dream, shout out to everyone. We want to kind of shift here to the, to the final little portion of the podcast when we've been having, you know, creators, journalists on the show, we love to kind of get a sense of your journey in this field and just what got you to this point. Uh, you've accomplished so much. And so I'm just curious if, if you're willing to kind of take us along your journey, how you've gotten to this point, how you got into TV news breaking, and did you ever, you know, imagine that this is where you'd end up? Right. So first, where should I start? Uh, no. Sports has always been a part of my life. Um, played sports ever since the age of 10. Grew up in Harlem, New York. So um Living in Harlem, it wasn't abnormal to see um, women playing sports or women playing basketball. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I think about Shannon Bobbitt, who like literally, like I would, I grew up across the street from like this park where she would play, and she would be like the news of the neighborhood. Everyone's like, "Oh, Shannon is in the Black Gates playing," and she would be cooking like guys, girls, grown men on the court, and then obviously Dykeman and Rucker and just that culture of street ball. So like just growing up in Harlem, I was already exposed to so many great athletes and, and people in sport. And so just my involvement in sport kind of evolved as I got older. Um, I took an interest to journalism. Uh, I got a degree in journalism from Hunter College. And then from there worked in marketing, which helped me to learn a lot about pre-production, post-production and just a long drawn out process of, of production in general. Um, interned at Dykeman, got my first uh, into what it was to be a sideline reporter, but just in like the craziest street ball atmosphere. <laughs> um, so did that. So in 2018, I started Girls Talk Sports TV. Um, also had a background in entertainment and fashion, was doing you know, reporting in that space because I was passionate about a lot of different things. And so just to answer your questions, it's a lot. Well, it's a lot. I feel like I've lived 50 different lives and and, and I'm still so young. But um, in 2018, I created Girls Talk Sports TV because I wanted to get back to what I was passionate about, which was sports. Um, and just seeing like there was a lack of representation of, of people who look like me in the space um, whenever you saw a woman on a broadcast, she was just like that token woman on the broadcast. It didn't really have a voice um, over her male co counterparts on a broadcast. And so for me, I thought it was really important to create a platform and space where women were seen, heard, valued um, as, as reputable sources in sport. And then also just tackling that statistic that we all know that women's sports coverage receives 4% uh, of all uh, sports coverage. And so 
just really want to tackle those two things and just providing that safe space to tell stories. So when I first started Girls Talk Sports TV in 2018, there was more, there was like a lot of us. There was about 10 of us. We were out going everywhere across the country, um, covering every sport, baseball, football. We were at football training camps, NBA, doing everything, G League. Um, (laughs) And it was great because, um, you know, I had Ari Chambers in 2018 and a few other people who were former college athletes who wanted to cross over into reporting, but it was a, it was overwhelming to do that, <laughs> to, to manage that in 2018. And so I learned a lot from the business side. And in 2019, I kind of rebranded it and honed it down to just something that I felt like was more authentic to who I was, which obviously was just women's basketball. And so Rebranded in 2019, um, became the face of the brand because in 2018, I definitely was behind the camera doing all the production stuff and did not want to be in front of the camera. And it wasn't because I was afraid or anything. I just, there was a lot going on. So um, became the face of my brand, uh, you know, as as the face of the brand, became a spokesperson for the mission and why I started the platform. And I immediately began to see a change. And uh, honestly, the first person to give me a chance when I rebranded was Renee Montgomery. So shout out to her. Um, I uh, started with shooting, you know, content inside the living room. And Renee came to New York and I did not think that she was actually going to come. And she was in town and she swung by. And we did like a 30 minute sit down interview that kind of, you know, took off. And then from there, just really started to create content consistently. Um, doors begin to open that I could never imagine. Uh, and then the news breaking aspect, I want to say, came into play around 2019. I didn't set out to be a newsbreaker, but because I built relationships um, over the course of like a year and a half. And at that time, when you would go to a WNBA game, there would not be a lot of media people there. There would probably be about four people. I remember in 2018 in Westchester, there was myself, Ari Chambers, Camille, um, and our friend Sophia, who no longer works for the league, but she was doing social for W at the time, and and maybe like Howard Mendel, I want to say. Um, so there was like maybe four or five of us who would make the trip to Westchester in person. So players, you know, they see you showing up for them consistently and spaces, you know, team PRs, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was just, I knew I was in it for the long haul. Um, from there because I just felt like it was just disrespect to these women that you know they were not getting the coverage or the stories told Um, and so I wanted to show up in that way um, and and be able to um, you know give them the respect that they deserve and so that's pretty much how Girls Talk Sports TV started Um, the news breaking came a little bit later Um, but yeah it's been a fun ride a fun journey I've been able to um I've been able to bring women's basketball coverage to spaces that it probably would not be in. Like now I'm on MSG networks, uh, talking women's basketball and the sports betting space. I had a deal with Spotify where I was bringing women's basketball live discussions every week, um, to their platform, which is mostly music and podcast driven. And so, yeah, it's been it's been definitely an interesting ride um, these last few years, but I'm super grateful for the journey. There's so much there that I knew, but <laughs> hearing it kind of all come together and seeing the, the timeline play out, it's just really fun to follow along with. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, 
And you talked a lot about opening doors and just from the beginning, Owen and I have now been on the other side of that where you are constantly opening those doors for us. Anytime there's an opportunity that you think one of us would fit, you're pushing our names forward, whether we're in or not in that room. And not enough people, I think, have glimpsed behind the curtain to know the level of support that you put forth because it's both helped us professionally, but also validated us in a space that there's always going to be imposter syndrome. We all are fighting that. And I think that that shouldn't go unnoticed. People don't know how much you're doing to to help lift up other people because of how important the coverage is to you as well, especially in an industry that can get cutthroat at times because the truth is we know there aren't enough women's basketball gigs available and we're we're all trying to push the game forward. But who are some of the people that helped prop those doors open up for you at the beginning and, and kind of help you grow? Oh, well, make me proud of this podcast, but I have not spoken to you. Um, <laughs> but, that, uh, but some of the people who have helped me along the way when I first got started uh, was, uh, tip my hat off to Ari Chambers. She was one of the first people. So fun story. I met Ari through our friend Danny. So I I play a lot of basketball. I used to, don't play anymore. Play a lot of basketball um, and just as a you know way to stay in shape or whatever. And so there was our, we had a mutual friend who was a fashion model named Danny, and she would do these open runs in the city. Um, and so we would all go. Obviously, Ari doesn't play basketball, but she would just show up because she's super passionate about you know women in sport. And so Danny connected Ari and I. And I remember she was living in Harlem at the time, and we met up at a Whole Foods on One Twenty Fifth Street. And she will tell you this story too. And we just sat down. I think this was like twenty eighteen, like really, really early, um, pre highlight her, pre you know girls talk sports, and we just had a conversation about you know our dreams, our goals, and how we could work together to accomplish that. And so um, through that conversation, she was telling me how she had just left. Um, MSG. She's working there. She had just left um, like the entertainment space uh, with them. Um, and she was looking to do more reporting. I was like, oh, well, hey, I'm starting this platform. How about you come? And da, da, da. so it was like a trade off. Like she, uh, I shadowed her my first WNBA game to kind of learn the ropes of, you know, um, the pre how pregame works, how this works. And, you know, through her time at MSG, she met a lot of the players from the Liberties and she would introduce me to some of the players and just, you know, teach me the ropes. So um, definitely her. Um, and then I have Dykeman, Dykeman Basketball. Um, my mentor, Sharon Bond, she runs Dykeman Basketball. And then if you've ever been, you know, you'll go and, and you say, hey, Miss B, Miss B, everybody else says Miss B. But Miss B, I would say she just threw me into the deep, the deep end. Uh, <laughs> my my in, my summer interning at Dykeman had no idea um how crazy the atmosphere and environment would be, but gave me a camera, a camera crew and a microphone. And she kind of just said, do your thing. And she would, and if you know Dykeman basketball, it's like the red carpet of street ball. Every, anybody who's anybody goes through Dykeman at the summertime, NBA players, celebrities, everyone. So she just literally, <laughs> first day, gave me that cameraman and microphone, threw me into the deep end, and I just kind of had to learn what it was to be a sideline reporter in a crazy street ball atmosphere. But from there, like so many people that summer saw me at Dykeman and that opened up so many opportunities. But just learning from Miss B uh, and people like Ari and I, that would be like the industry people who kind of helped uh, open open some of the doors in terms of just 
letting me learn the ropes in, in that sense. Um, and but just all the business relationships that I've made along the way, maybe they came from um, working in event production and everything. But I said I did so many different things to get up to this point in my life. And I think that eventually, like just all the dots connected in my life at some point, whether it was working in fashion, uh, meeting June Ambrose in 2015 and now in 2022, 2023, being able to do social campaigns for Puma and just be on a first name basis with June. It's just like, I don't know. I just feel like every part of my life meant something to lead me up to the point that um, I am now. And I'm just, I'm thankful for every person along the way who stopped to talk, who gave me access, who credentialed me. Um, Yeah, it's been super important. And, you know, for me, I've always been someone who's hands-on in terms of community building. And so, you know, it's the least I could do to help people. If I can't do something, I'm not going to hoard opportunities. I'm going to make sure that I put the people on around me who I see is working just as hard as me. As you said, the opportunities in women's basketball are scarce, but you know, if I can't do something and I know I don't have the ability or the capacity to, to do it, I'm definitely referring and putting other people's names in that room. Um, it's not going to hurt me because what's for me is for me and nothing or no one will take that away. And so part of this journey is not only um, doing stuff for yourself, but just helping others. And I'm super passionate about that at all levels. And so, yeah, I'm going to help you guys out whenever I can. But I'm so, so, so proud of y'all because I remember when we were doing Women's Basketball Weekly during those clubhouse days and you all were um, – you know, talk about how afraid you were to, you know, speak, um, you know, just in the live audio kind of platform. And now you both have your own podcast and just doing so many amazing things. So I'm so proud of you and just the growth overall of everyone that we know in this space. Um, and it, it just, it, it's helping to expand the coverage and grow the game. So that's, I love it. I love it. I love every moment of it. I can still think back to the first time that you invited me up on stage on Clubhouse and like we knew each other barely, but like as mutuals on Twitter. And I remember sorting through everyone that was part on that same graphic. And I think I had like 300 followers and everyone else was like five grand or whatever. And I was just like very intimidated by being in that space, but you were so welcoming and you kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. You continue to do that. And we're, one of you were one of the huge people that was really pushing us to do this podcast and we're very very grateful for that and um we're constantly going to be obviously we also talk every day so we know what's going on in each other's lives and it's just just been really a great thing for us to be able to share that experience with you and and largely in so many ways due to just how welcoming you've been because yeah like I said before that's not always the case there's there's a lot of ego at play there's there's a lot of well we know know. (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly right and like so to kind of be able to find our space within this but also be able to lift each other and offer up opportunities to one another I think is really really great and it makes me just really excited about the future for from the media landscape as well And you also talked about how growing up in Harlem, you had this exposure to women's basketball 
And I think that that's something that we're seeing as the media landscape starts to shift is we're seeing these WNBA players in the last couple of years come in and say, you used to ask them who your favorite player is and you would get LeBron, Steph Curry, but now they're starting to be able to talk about the women's game at the, at the pro level, because generationally they've been watching women play basketball for their whole lives. And I think that that's really, really good to kind of build that pipeline. So let's glimpse ahead. You've already accomplished so much, but fast forward five years, where do you see yourself going in this space and growing in this space? Um, five years from now, where do I see myself growing in this space? Lately, I've been super passionate about um, just pay equity for creators, for writers, journalists of that sort. You know, I you know whenever I can help y'all negotiate, I'll be helping. Um, but that is just a passionate passion of mine um, as of late, just giving creators what they deserve. And so who knows, uh, maybe I'll end up becoming like an agent or starting an agency um, to help that. But um, yeah, I think that um, there is a disparity in how creators and jur- journalists are paid in this space. And, and because they're not able to commit full time to covering this this league there is a gap in coverage right because some of the top people who are covering this league has have to have a nine to five not saying that you can't do both you can absolutely do both but um i think that if we want coverage to grow um that is of quality we need one newsrooms to commit to um putting money into the women's basketball space and and the women's sports space overall um, and, and diversifying those newsrooms as well. Uh, and so <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's my next chapter, try to try to uh, target that. Um, but I'm super, I've been super passionate about that as of late. Um, but also mentoring the next generation um, has been a passion of mine and something that I've been actively working on um, simultaneously as I cover the league. I mentor high school seniors. I mentor uh, college journalism students, as well as coach youth girls basketball on the weekend at Greenwich House and so here in the city. So just always building my community has always been a passion of mine. So if I could put all those things together, that's where I'll be in five years. Um, But also uh, Girls Talk Sports TV and the platform, just the vision for it um, ultimately in terms of content or coverage, I want to host my own show on a major network, and so um, gotten a glimpse of how that work, how that how that works um, as a contributor for MSG, as a co-host on the Athletes Unlimited Preview Show, as the host of the live audio show Women's Sports Wednesday with Spotify, and I think that things are just only going to get better. But um, yeah, that's where I see myself. In about five years, just continuing to, you know, fight for not only the stories of athletes, but also like equity in, in the media space um, that we work work in. So, yeah. I I love all of this so much. And I just want to echo what, what Miles said earlier. I mean, your building of community in your work is just so evident. And we really just appreciate you so much. And, you know, not just for coming on today and being an amazing podcast guest, but also just for your friendship, uh, your support. It it uh, it really means a lot. Yeah, you guys mean a lot to me, too. I think that one of the most rewarding things from all of this is just the community um, that I've been able to um, receive through doing this type of work. 
um, and the relationships that I've been able to build along the way. They've been so meaningful, so helpful. Um, you know, I love our little group, uh, you know, the, the, the brunch crew, <laughs> Tarika, B, Terrell, DA, KDOT, and of course, you you both, Miles and Owen, um, just how much we support each other. We talk 24-7 <laughs> in our little group chats, but, you know, just those little conversations and just how we support one another in this industry that can be cruel at times, um, it definitely helps and motivates me. Um, and I love how much we all have grown in this space and just super proud of, of everyone um, in our group and beyond in the women's basketball space. Yeah, if you told me, I think 2019 was the first time I was writing about the W. If you told me back then that I would have a, you know, a table of media at my wedding, <laughs> that like I made these lifelong friends because we are talking 24-7 and because it's not just what people are seeing on the timeline or whatever, but that support is real. That friendship is real. I, I could not ask for anything more, especially it's been a tough couple of years for all of us kind of navigating just the entire world blowing up for us. So it's uh we're just going to keep on saying it we're just really grateful for everything that you've done and it sounds like everything you're going to continue to try to do for us in this space because there's nobody that i would really entrust my the future of my journalism career for to have someone look out for me more than you and you prove that you're doing it on the daily oh that means so much coming from you <laughs> uh, but yeah the, the work continues um you know i don't get caught up in all the little things of what people may or may not see um you know i really don't do any of this for the applause at all but you know it's nice to get recognition along the way but the work on and off social media will continue um you know the fight for equity in all all sense of the word will continue um and i just think that's that's my purpose in all of this you know um obviously the coverage has been like the vessel to which I've been able to do these things, but you know, I'm excited for the future. Oh, mic drop. Amazing. Christina, thank you so much. Where can we find you? Anything you want to, you want to push? Uh, what do you got? Oh, okay. You can find me on Twitter at Christina. That's K H not a C H. Um, I'm on Instagram at Christina Williams, but also if you want to follow uh, just a day-to-day update of the WNBA. You can follow girlstalksports.tv on Instagram. Um, and then also I'm going to be on MSG Networks throughout the season. So if you're into sports betting, make sure you tune in uh, to the betting exchange in the better half hour. I'll be contributing uh, throughout the season once a week on that platform, just talking all things WNBA and sports betting. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Christina. We'll talk to you in like five minutes, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Looking forward to it, guys.